we go. It's Friday, June the 30th in the year of our Lord, 2023. You're listening to Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Fridays, we take a look at emails. You can email me at tombaker at brick.net. That's B-R-I-C-K dot net. And we'll be glad to answer your questions or send you any material that you might be interested in. Well, yesterday we had with a, a wonderful program, a great email from an individual who was talking about all the problems he had in life, but he recognized that God was taking care of him. And it was a great email. It was a positive email. And so today we're going to be look at two emails that may not be so positive. And I'll tell you right away what the one says. Now is the time to say God is queer. Who spoke those blasphemous words? And what was the context of that statement? This is an email from Michael Brown. And he tells us the words were spoken by Pastor Quentin Caesar. He's a Lutheran pastor in Germany. And he spoke those words at the conclusion of the annual gathering of the nation's Protestant, which meant Lutheran, pastors. The conference theme was, Now is the Time. And this was the immediate context of Caesar's words. Now is the time to say, Black lives always matter. Now is the time to say, God is queer. Now is the time to say, we need leave no one to die. Now is the time to say, we send a ship and much more, and we welcome people at safe harbors, safe spaces for all. Now, of course, what they're talking about are safe spaces for those who are totally opposed to God's holy word, God's holy scripture, particularly people who follow a gay lifestyle. And how did the crowd of church leaders respond? They responded with sustained applause and shouts of approval, especially for the statement that God is queer. Talk about a picture of an apostate church. Uh, there's no doubt that that's something that our other listeners often talk about in the world today, about it being an apostate church. It's one of the favorite themes of Wes Reimnitz. It talks about an illustration of blasphemy and spiritual blindness. Talk about shouting to the nation, we are the blind leading the blind. Come follow us into the ditch. Remember, that reminds us of John chapter 9. Jesus healed a man 
born blind. That man then believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah, and he worshiped Jesus. The Pharisees said to Jesus, Oh, so are we blind also? And what did Jesus say to them? Because you say we can see, that shows you are blind. What did Jesus mean by that? Because they were saying, we can see how we are to respond to God. We're to respond to God, not like the tax collectors who got taxes for the Romans or the prostitutes, but we give a tithe. Uh, we also fast. We do wonderful good works, and therefore God is going to save us. That's an apostate church. And the assembly gave Quentin Caesar a very personal and emotionally stirring sermon in the service. He denounced racism and made it clear that many people do not feel safe in the church. Now, I've been in the church for decades, and one of my congregations, I was in there for 28 years. And near the end of my service to them, the majority of people who were joining through adult instruction were black people. I don't remember racism in that church. Why would they not feel safe? Now, there are definitely those who will say that, well, black people are just not at the same caliber as other people. I don't believe that. In, in fact, when I was pastor of these black folks, there were a lot of times that I would get liturgies that were supposed to be meant for them, but they fell short of a proper Lutheran Christian liturgy. You can choose hymns. Contemporary hymns today often are kind of calling out to God, praise God, glory to God, but there's no message of the gospel. Why do we praise and give glory to God? Because he has forgiven all our sins. And so even if there is a racist person in a Christian church, that sin is forgiven. How did the assembly respond to the hateful comments that Caesar received in response to his message? I don't doubt that some of the comments were indeed hateful because how can you love someone who says that Jesus is queer? Now, the reason he said that is Jesus would meet with all kinds of people prostitutes, tax collectors, and others whom the tax, I'm sorry, whom the Pharisees thought were sinners. And so if he met with them and he met with lepers, why wouldn't he meet with gay people? But I believe that there was an incident 
that Jesus showed why he met with those people. Recall the time when the Pharisees were going to stone a woman for adultery? He saved her life. But then what did Jesus say to her? Go and sin no more. You see, this leadership of this conference was saying, nobody has to agree with the statements of the sermons or the elements of the closing services. Exchange and even productive arguments about it are even desired also among us. Now, if that isn't the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, that's like the devil saying to Adam and Eve, you know, when you denounced God and said, I'm going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's really something that God desired to show your free will. And therefore, your productive arguments against following the will of God are desired. But then listen to their next statement. But attacks on those who justifiably denounce racism and discrimination in the church lack any form of decency and a culture of debate. They are deeply unchristian. We resolutely oppose this hatred. Now, do you understand that? The ones who are to be hated are not those who are saying that Jesus is queer, but those who are saying that he is not, and therefore not making it safe for queer people to be members of a church. Why wouldn't it be safe for a queer person to be a member of my congregation? It's because as I come to know that they are gay, they would not be able to participate in the Lord's Supper because one of the items necessary to participate in the Lord's Supper is to repent of your sin. Now, if a gay person says that those who are not for the gay group are those showing hatred, that's not repentance. So the problem at this conference was not only that an ordained state salaried pastor in clerical robes declared that God is queer. No, the problem is that the people responded with hatred against those who disagreed with him. That's what must be resolutely opposed, they say. That's what lacks any form of decency. That's what is deeply unchristian. Oh my, talk about calling evil good and good evil. That was one of the great themes of Luther with the Heidelberg Disputation that we call evil good and good evil. So 
once more, things get turned around. Talk about trying to take the speck out of your brother's eye while you have a plank in your own eye. Talk about deep self-deception. And do these leaders really think that the main problem most people had with Caesar's message was his denouncing of racism? No, hardly. It was the blasphemous pronouncements that provoked most of the ire. All Christians who are truly Christian denounce racism, but many of them are not racist, and yet they are accused of being racist because they don't come out against it strongly enough. This is a real problem we're having in the Christian church today, is that not only churches, but even schools are, are starting to look at social concern items as more important than the message of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You need to be against racism. And the church needs to stop racism. Well, guess what? That's not going to stop. Because the old Adam needs to be converted. And as long as a person is not converted, then they have no reason to be against racism. Caesar also had stated Quote, God is always on the side of those on the margins who are unseen or unnamed. And if God is there, then there is our place. Love has never been a mass movement, but I'm an optimist. Now, do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, since God sides with those on the margins, he himself is queer, and he's on the margins. You see how you twist the scripture? There's no doubt that Jesus dealt with marginal people from a society's point of view. But guess what? He didn't deal with them by okaying their sin, but came to preach repentance and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Based on this kind of logic, Jesus who hung out with prostitutes and corrupt tax collectors must himself have been a whoremonger and a financially corrupt one at that. That would be an equally sick deduction to make. Even Germany's far-right party called the AFD, which is far more political than it is Christian, it tweeted that the Evangelical Lutheran Church has completely distanced itself from the Christian faith. It's kind of what the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has said about the official teaching of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. It also has distanced itself from the Christian faith. For it teaches you don't even have to believe in Jesus 
to be saved. You can be a Hindu, you can be a Muslim, and you're still saved. This, of course, is nothing new here. The state church, which is a German church for Lutheranism, has been apostate for many years now. It's just a bit more obvious than before. No wonder hundreds of thousands of people are leaving their churches every year. And no wonder hundreds of church doors are closing. Church buildings are being sold. When clergy do not believe that the Bible is really the word of God, when they no longer preach the gospel, when they themselves do not know God and therefore cannot bring others into his presence, there is no compelling reason for people to attend their services. What true hope can they offer? What type of life transformation can they promise? Already in 2018, it was reported that last year, 660,000 fewer members in Germany attended church. A major reason that the Roman Catholic Church of Germany is also bleeding members is because of the many sex scandals that have plagued it. The real gospel will nourish the hungry and the thirsty and challenge the faithful and the committed. Human variations of the gospel are no gospel at all. They promise little and deliver even less because they are devoid of the power of God. A lot of church services have become entertainment factors where you hear contemporary music and hymns that never preach the message of Christianity. Little wonder then that church attendance among evangelicals and those are Protestant Christians who are not part of the state church is much higher. True Christians really want to hear the word of God. They want to worship Jesus. They want to encounter God, but they often don't know it. And so they attend worship services where they are not being fed. Consequently, where the word is being preached as God's word, not as some ancient religious document that is similar to other ancient religious texts, when Jesus is being exalted, when people are meeting with God, true Christians, along with non-believing seekers, they will come and enjoy being fed at the banquet of the Holy Gospel. The truth be told, if this annual state church conference wanted to be accurate with their theme, with one voice, should they have shouted out, now is the time to proclaim what has been obvious for decades. We are an apostate church. 
May God give courage to the believing remnant. May he pour out a massive spirit of repentance on this very influential and lost country. May the true church of Germany in all its varied forms and expressions arise. But it's not only in Germany that we're having problems. A second email is about the ELCA church here in the United States. Here's what the title is. Lutheran Church recites Sparkle Creed describing non-binary God and Jesus to dads. A Lutheran church in Minnesota recently recited what they called a sparkle creed that Jesus had two dads. And they did that during its Sunday service, according to a live stream recording on YouTube. Now, it's Edina Community Lutheran Church in Minnesota. And would you be surprised to hear the name of the pastor? Pastor Anna Helgen. She asked the congregation to stand in body or spirit to confess our faith in the Sparkle Creed. And the church went on to chant a statement of faith in Jesus Christ who had two dads. It was really something terrible to hear. But it said, I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light. Well, you know what the rainbow spirit is, is the gay movement. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love. So beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. That's the Sparkle Creed. So it's a prayer to God of the expansive and inclusive love for shrinking honeybee populations and climate justice, according to the recording. And of course, the woman pastor, not surprisingly, also prayed for the upcoming Pride Festival for all gay leaders. At one recent festival, the men were totally naked and walked among the crowd even of children coming up to them and talking. This is what we have in store for us if we continue to allow the gay movement to have control. In other words, this is what the ELCA has turned into. And you know what they really were repentant of? They were repentant of being located on the traditional ancestral 
and contemporary lands of the Dahoda, Dakota Indian nation. They thought that that was a sin. And that's how far the ELCA has gone from the true message of repentance. It's very interesting that they commit to being active advocates for justice for native people and to truth telling that leads to healing. Doesn't that sound like Eve? Well, that fruit looks good to eat. I'm going to be better healed. And so she took a bite of it, gave it to her husband who was with her, and together they brought the whole world not into healing, but into death. And except for Jesus Christ, who died so that you and I will never really die, we would not have been saved. So we don't follow any sparkle creeds talking about Jesus having two dads. We follow the Apostle, the Nicene, and the Athanasian Creed that clearly show three persons, one God, and most importantly, he is not only merciful in not giving us what we deserve, but he is gracious in giving us what we don't deserve, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So heaven is our home. It's the difference between living under the law where you get to heaven by your works and living under the gospel where heaven becomes yours because of the works of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of today's lesson. And if you would like to send me an email with any questions, once more, it's Tom Baker at brick.net. And we'll be only too happy to receive your email, respond to it. Uh, sometimes you can also add your home address because we're putting out a newsletter on Law and Gospel. Would you like to have a copy of it? It's free. Email me at Tom Baker at brick.net until Monday because we're off the air on Tuesday July 4th we'll see you again to hear about law and gospel until then God bless you Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. 
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.